G'day folks, it is your friendly coach here and I am absolutely excited and ecstatic to talk about this. This has been a long time in the making because uh, I'm a big fan of this particular topic. It's one that I've wanted to explore for a long time and I have gained some really cool people to kind of talk to us. So the topic of today is going to be focused on Warhammer in the East, uh, aka Warhammer in Asia, aka Warhammer in Japan. So uh, being someone who is close to Asia, being Australia, being close to Asia, as well as somebody who has been to Asia, um, a number of countries, I'm really excited to talk about the topic because I know there's some fundamental differences between the West and the East. And I really want to explore and kind of highlight and kind of understand a bit more about this culture. I've seen a lot of cool stuff on Twitter. I follow a lot of them on YouTube and on, on Instagram, and I see this stuff I just don't understand it because I'm, I'm probably too lazy to go into a Google Translate and kind of translate what I'm seeing. But to help me unpack this topic, uh, I've got two absolute legends of the Japanese community. First, we have uh, Champy. Champy is coming from uh, the Rising Sun GT. He's a tournament organizer. Uh, it's probably one of the most well-known uh, Asian tournaments are going on. And I know us Westerners who see those photos always just like, this is amazing. <laughs> I want to be there. Uh, I would actually really like to go there, to be honest. Um, I know myself and Martin Orlando are like, oh, we want to go, we want to go, we want to go. <laughs> Champy, g'day, welcome. Uh, anything you want to say? Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Um, yeah, my first time in YouTube. A little bit nervous to speak in public. Uh, hope to have a super nice show. Mate, just we're talking amongst friends. All is good. Uh, and then finally, we've got another guy. The, the gentleman here is Bastit. Uh, he is here because he is a Warhammer player from Japan that speaks English. That's literally his street cred. <laughs> no, that, that, yep. that's how he, he's told me to introduce him. Uh, no, he's an absolute legend. Uh, I have been following him on Twitter. I've been watching what he's up to. Um, g'day. And, and by the way, if I interchangeably call him uh, Nori, that's because there's, that's his name. But I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forget uh, Bastit. Uh, and Deke reminds me that um, the Lamian cat. I don't know if you know this, but the Lamian cat, um, an old Warhammer model, uh, his name is Bastit. Exact spelling. Uh, you know, it's a ancient <laughs> Egyptian goddess of cats, I think. Yep. Anyway, uh, okay. pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much. Great to be on this show. <laughs> Uh, thank you. And obviously, you know, this is an Age of Sigma show. Um, we will obviously, you know, obviously the concepts apply across um, 40K and talk about other Warhammer in general. But, um, you know, I really want to unpack the Age of Sigma um, stuff in, in, in Asia. So first things first, um, I'm a massive fan and people who are listening on the podcast are going to miss this. I thought no better way to kick this off is by Kit Kats. Now, people don't know that in Japan... <laughs> In Japan, there is like a million different flavors of Kit Kats in Japan. I didn't know this. There's like sake <laughs> and cheesecake and, um, oh, my gosh, like there's so many, right? Yeah. There's actually yes. a Wikipedia article just on Japanese Kit Kats. Oh, really? Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we've just, in, in Sydney, we've just opened up a Kit Kat shop. It's like a little a boutique little shop, and I think it sells all the different Japanese-style Kit Kats. So I thought, what way to awesome. break the ice? is what's your favorite flavor of Kit Kat? So, Champy, I think you said wasabi. Yeah, for me, wasabi is the best, yeah. That contrast of spice and sweet is, is amazing. I love it. Every time I go back to Spain to visit my family, I always bring a bunch of wasabi Kit Kat. It's so good. <laughs> 
Yeah, mine's got to be the Kyoto matcha. Like, there's a Uji matcha yeah, Kyoto matcha, yeah. flavor. Is that matcha? Is it the matcha tea, or is that a completely different one? It's a matcha tea, but it's local to uh, Kyoto. They use that like region's tea leaves to make it. It's like this really weird local thing. I, I only asked because I did actually have the the, the matcha tea Kit Kats, and they're delicious. Mm. Um, it's just a bizarre concept. Like <laughs> for us Westerners, Kit Kat is literally this. This is just this is Kit Kat. And yep. like seeing all the different flavors, just like what on earth is going on? Yeah, there's any from anyone that doesn't know, there's anywhere from like soy sauce to blueberry cheesecake to sake to uh, anything. Like it's like 300 over over 300 flavors of uh, Kit Kats in Japan. So. Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, 300. Yeah, it's, it's quite cool. Yeah. So if anyone's in Japan, it's totally worth looking at. It's <laughs> all these regional yeah. flavors. Definitely worthwhile coming over. So. Let's break the ice. Um, we're, we're all big fans of Kit Kat. Um, <laughs> for anyone who hasn't been to Japan, so I have been to Japan. I went to Japan, I think it was in 2016, and um, I was hesitant at first, to be honest. Like, I'm like, I've been to China, I've been to Japan, Laos, I've been to Thailand, I've been to, you know, Singapore, I've been to all these different Asian countries. And for me, Japan was such a, uh, so different compared to the others. I guess maybe was, let's start the surface and let's talk a little bit about Japan and kind of, you know, Immerse me into your world, and then we'll get into the Japanese uh, community of, of Warhammer. So, talk to me a little bit about like what is what does Japan look like compared to maybe other countries, or you know, why do you enjoy being there, or like you know, paint paint that picture for me. Uh, maybe Champy, I'll start with you being the the foreigner living in Japan at the moment, <laughs> and like how different is it to you know to to Spain? Oof. <laughs> well, and obviously, like, we're not like, we're yeah. going to be nasty, right? Like, you know, not Spain is rubbish, Japan is rubbish. Like, <laughs> what's, what's, how different is it? Well, I think Japan is basically, when, when I compare it to Spain, because uh, before Japan, I only have lived in, in Spain. I'm originally from, from there. I think Japan is basically super organized, and that's completely the opposite to Spain. So that was like a real shock to me at the beginning, right? Like, everything worked perfectly. Like bureaucracy, there is a lot of bureaucracy, but it works like super smooth. There is no queue for things. Uh, I don't know. The healthcare is just amazing. You don't have to wait for anything. Where in Spain, you have to wait for months to get a visit to the doctor. Things like that. The the feeling of safety. Like you can go to any part of the city. Like there is no like this super like dark area where you are not supposed to go into. I mean, I, when I talk with Japanese people, they always tell me, you should not go to this area in Osaka. Well, I said, well, that's that's completely safe compared with like this part of the city in Barcelona, for example. So I think the main difference is probably like the, the, the feeling of safety, like being safe. Like, you you know, like I'm bringing up a family, I have a son, I'm super relaxed that I know that for the most part, nothing is going to happen. That yeah. I cannot say that from, from, from Spain probably. I, yeah, of I, course, we, we started to talk with about the Kit Kat and the, the food. And of course, Kit Kat. That's amazing. Well, the food <laughs> culture is everything. Yeah. The food culture is incredible. You know, it's I'm, incredible, I'm, a big, yeah. I'm a big ramen fan. You know, even going to the vending machine to put in, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to get my ticket for ramen, and then I just give this ticket over, and <laughs> the ramen bars, the sake bars. There's just so yes. much great food, um, so much interesting food as well. I think for me. Yes. And, I think going through, uh, I, I can't remember the name of it. I should have researched this, but walking through that really um, uh, congested, famous um, crossing in the road um, near uh, Shinjuku, no, uh, I don't know what Shibuya, it's called. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's just incredible. Like, there's just yeah. such a such a different experience. Um, 
Oh, I love Turkey. I, I don't live in Turkey, but yeah, it's, it's my most favorite place in, in Japan. I've only been I've, I've only been to, uh, to Tokyo. That's what they only play. I've been there for like three weeks. Um, okay. So had a little residence not far, like a short distance to um, Harajuku. Um, walk in and like just the, the Harajuku itself, you know. Yeah. You hear that Gwen that Gwen Stefani song talking about you know Harajuku girls. That culture is just something else. Yeah. Uh, the talk to me like. Tell me about Japan. Why do you love living well, there? Well, let me start off. I, I lived in the U.S. for about 10 years. Um, so I, I have a little bit of um, kind of experience living overseas. Uh, the biggest difference, is I think, is we're very tight-knit. We're very compact in everything that mm. we do. There's no, like, lawn. There's no, like, the roads are small. The houses are small. But everything's very neat. Everything's very organized because you have to be. It's so small, so compact, so tight knit. But at the same time, you know, there's public transportation everywhere. You can go anywhere. You don't need a car to get it, get everywhere, you know. So it's very kind of put together in a sense. Um, it's, I think you noticed in Tokyo, there's like railways to get to anywhere. Every street corner in Tokyo has a railway station. Um, everything's just, you know, you go to a convenience store, you can get anything, anything from beard to your underwear to god knows what everything's there yeah, yeah, anything. everything's in a vending machine i've noticed <laughs> yes. everything is in a vending machine and if it's um, not in a vending machine you can get it at the convenience store 24 7 it's just it's yeah. it's very systematic um uh, but it also is in a sense very you know everyone's really nice everyone's really kind of polite so like one of the culture shocks I had, I had the pleasure of going back to the U.S. About a couple of years ago, and then someone was really rude to me at the airport, and I go, "Hey." I was just thinking that. <laughs> but I'm like, it's it's awesome. It's like you get to be rude. You don't get to do that in Japan. You're not like you're not a sane person if you're rude to somebody. In Japan. Oh, everyone's super polite. Like super polite. Yeah. Um, you, you you might get in line and uh, get to wait for something. Let's say you're going to go to a restaurant. Um, someone will like, like usher you in first, even though they were in front of you. Like, no, 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 you go first, you go first. You're like, what is going on? <laughs> People are just super polite, super nice, and it's genuine. Um, that's what I really enjoyed. Um, I, 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 I would love to go to a girlfriend cafe. I think that's just a funny concept <laughs> that I can, I can pay. Actually, actually. That, like you walk down the street and there's these girls who, yeah. um, and like, like they're not ladies of the night. We're not talking about that no, type no, of girlfriend. No, no, no. Like legitimate girls that will just sit there with a cafe and you buy them food and they'll just talk to you for a couple of hours. That's it. Like it's 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 such a wonderful, wonderful place just from my time. Nothing to add on the girlfriend cafes. <laughs> I'm surprised you went there, but sure, yeah. <laughs> look, look. Any like I, I remember walking around Tokyo, and I remember seeing pictures of Astro Boy graffitied on, or it wasn't even graffiti, like it was stickers all around. So I'm like, look, I've got a, I've got an Astro Boy tattoo on me. That's one of my one of my tats. Oh, okay. Um, and as soon as I saw, him, I'm like, yep, cool, I'm home. So uh, <laughs> nice. that was awesome. That was awesome. Um, and so many comic books and so many um, video games that I enjoy come from that yep. that community and that culture as well. So I think, you know, having that anime, that Pokemon, the um, the video game culture, um, there's just so much going on. It's so rich, you know, from from the music to the food. Um, and obviously I'm not selling people to go to Japan. I, I think I'm just trying to paint the picture of what it's like compared to living in Australia, in America, in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, it is a little bit different. And I think that kind of leads into the topic that we want to talk about eventually which is going to be about what is Warhammer look like and what does it feel like 
in the East compared to the West. So, um, and, and before before we get into that topic, maybe one recommendation for me. I mentioned I love my ramen. Um, absolutely delicious. And it is winter in Australia right now, so it's the perfect mm -hmm. time for ramen. Any other advice for food other than Kit Kats, other than ramen, other than sushi, um, that, well, that you would recommend someone try next time? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's also very famous, but living in Kobe, I have to recommend the Kobe beef for sure. Oh, if you come to Japan, you have to try Kobe beef. If not Kobe beef, any Japanese beef, it's delicious. It's, you're not going to taste anything like that anywhere else. Yeah. Seriously, I'm not exaggerating. All right, all right. Kobe beef. Yep. Yakiniku also um, is a very Korean barbecue sort of thing. It's very popular in Japan. Mm -hmm. It's like really cheap comparatively speaking. Um, but um, there's like all you can eat, all you can like drink for like what six thousand yen Japan, which is what I don't know fifty dollars mm -hmm. US ish. Yeah. Someone on the lines. Yeah, it's like all you can drink. If you're a drinker, is the thing in Japan. You're yeah. <laughs> they yeah, will keep uh, feeding you alcohol until you drop for two hours. I, I did yeah. notice that going to the cafes and going to the restaurant, <laughs> even like even cool things as well. Like another maybe just another random thing that just popped up in my mind, like the cat cafes. Like you just go in and like there's just literally millions of cats, and like you'd be having your coffee, oh, yeah. you'll have like a piece of cake or a pastry or some type of food. And there's like literally cats or dogs everywhere. So I think that was really cool that and I've never se really seen. Yeah, there's What's like that? owls and reptiles. Yes. And like, yeah. You know, these yeah. days. Yeah. It's really weird these days. <laughs> Some bizarre stuff. All right. Well, it's, it's maybe move, move away from bizarre cafes. No, like, <laughs> I, I, like, I, I truly did enjoy myself and I can't wait to go back. Uh, and, I, and that's me being genuinely honest, which. I want to talk a bit about Warhammer. I want to talk about Japan. I want to talk about Asia. I want to talk about how did you both get started in this hobby? Hmm. And then talk, let's talk about the scene more in general. So, okay. uh, Basita, I might start with you first. All right. Well, I started Warhammer in the US um, back in 98, I want to say. And a, a couple of my high school buddies when I was in the US just played Warhammer 40K. And then and I was like, what is this thing? I've never seen this. It was so foreign. Um, got into it. Um, and then I moved to college in Wisconsin. And when you're in Wisconsin, it's really cold. And all you do is game and drink and eat. And gaming is definitely one of the three pillars of what you do in Wisconsin, being the home of D&D and all. Um, but yeah, I started uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battles, you know, moved back to Japan, kept the hobby. So it's been a, that's how I started and just how I keep continuing into Warhammer. That's great. And Champy, yourself? Well, I have actually like two different starts. One, I started really, really late, like uh, at the end of, of my university uh, time. So I was already like 23 years old. So it was this one of my best friends. He used to play Warhammer Fantasy, and then he introduced me into the game. Um, yeah, and it was at the end of the university, so we didn't have so much time. Uh, I got like hooked up with, with High Elves, so I bought the, 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 the army book. That they were not called Battletons at the time. Uh, I got laid. My first kid was uh, Silverhand. And that's all I had for a long time. So I painted that. Actually, after university, I moved back to Barcelona. I moved to Barcelona to do my PhD. So I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anyone who played the game. So I basically quit Warhammer at the time. But I always had, you know, like an eye put on, on what was going on with the, with the game and everything. I bought this, this starter set for six or seven editions or something. At that time, but I didn't have anyone to play with. So when I, after that, I moved back. I moved to Japan, 
to do my my postdoc um, again, starting a life again without friends, without, without knowing anyone. And I decided at the time that I wanted to get like finally I want to get into Warhammer. I want to I want to get into this game because I love the miniatures. I like I love painting. I love like the the, the art, the artistic concept around Warhammer, around like miniature painting, around miniature wargaming and everything. And what I found here is that was there was basically nothing. Mm. So we will talk about that later probably, but the community was really small. There were no stores. So I again I post on Warhammer until Age of Seymour. So when they changed the edition into Age of Seymour, I decided again, like now is the time. So they are starting from zero. So I have to get this is this is the train I have to catch. Yeah, and ever since the last five years, I've been just into Age of Seymour. So we were talking well, we were talking offline before we started. Just when I was in Japan, I think it was 2015 or 2016. Um, I believe that because I was only in Tokyo. From memory, there was only two or three games workshops in Tokyo at that stage. I remember there was one in Shinjuku. There was one. Um, I can't remember where they were. So Jimbo Cho is the the, the central one. Yeah, so that was that's been always there. Then there yeah. was the Harajuku one, which is a very touristic place. Ikebukuro, which is one with a second floor with with a few. So for, yeah, for those that one to Tokyo. That one was closed. I remember going there, yeah. and it was closed that day. And I remember that was it. But you were saying to me yeah, that three, four in, maximum four stores, yeah. You were saying that it's kind of now gotten much bigger and there's more more stores, so yes. you can kind of see the rise in popularity. And I think even Absolutely, for myself yeah. on Twitter, on YouTube, I'm seeing more and more Asian, more and more Japanese painters, more and more Japanese players. We're seeing game games happening, and yes. you know, even when I went to like the Marina Bay Sands in in Singapore, um, mm -hmm. there's a games workshop now, literally not far from the Marina Bay Sands. So you know, we are seeing this explosion of what you would think is a Western game in the East, which is really cool. Yes. So, so maybe the the other question I'll ask before I get a little bit more into the community is how do people in general in um, in Japan, for example, how do they get into Warhammer? Because um, obviously you guys have started, you know, in Spain, in America, um, you know, with friends. What's the what's the average like path that people might might start this hobby? Is it like walk past a games workshop? Is it something that like a friend introduces them to stores. It's more than friends at university or high school or anything like that. Stores. People go into store and they see what's going on. And they get like hooked up with the game. It's... Right, and I think it's worth mentioning that the store like location policy in Japan is mm -hmm. very different from other places. It's put into a place that's a like high traffic area. A very you know, it's 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 considered advertising. As in, the shop in Kobe is in one of the biggest, you know, high population areas. Yeah. All the stores are located in that like area where it just catches the eye. So yeah. an average person walks in there, looks at the display, and goes, "Hey, that's really cool." And that's how a lot of people walk in. Um, I think the other thing is that uh, Warhammer and Games Workshop items uh, got highlighted in uh, the Hobby Japan magazine, which is the biggest, I think, hobby magazine in Japan. Um, they did this collaboration thing, which I think sparked the Bandai um, like uh, like action figure thing um, that went on with the 40K. Um, the I think the third thing is also the large electronic stores actually carry Gunpla, um, which is the Gundam plastic miniature. And then they actually have a display of Warhammer items in the same kind of 
general area. So you have like mm. in the uh, in Osaka, uh, Umeda Yodobashi camera, which is the biggest hands down electronic store in the area, has a section on display with Warhammer items with all the Citadel paints, you know, pretty much everything there, which just catches the eye. You know, and then you walk into the store and go, hey, I've seen that in Yodobashi. I've seen that in the electronic store. What's this? And just people walk in. But again, but, all these are changes, very recent changes. Like five maybe. years ago, we didn't have anything of that. And everything was just in Tokyo. There was nothing outside of Tokyo. Well, I remember going to the technology because in, in Japan, I mean, in Tokyo, for example, um, for anyone who hasn't been there, you know, the different districts or the different parts of the city are known for oh, different yeah. things. So you go yeah. to like the technology suburb or, you know, city, you know, I yeah. guess, depending on where you live, but like there's this region that in Tokyo is like this where you want your technology stuff. So if you want to go play arcade games, you want to go buy, you know, nerdy type of stuff, you go to this particular part. And then there are other parts that are known for different things. And I remember when I was going there and I was going through this, you know, these massive hobby places and, you know, I got to buy some really cool hobby. I don't think I saw much Games Workshop stuff. It was very much no, yeah. restricted to Games Workshop. I remember going into seeing Gunpla and I was going to see all the different Gangnams and like all the different, you know, big, big robots and, you know, big monsters. And, you know, there's some beautiful hobby and people painting these robots and um, all the hobby stuff was there, but never Warhammer. So mm. it's just amazing to hear how in a couple of years, how things have just significantly changed uh, yes. and the community, community continues to grow. And this is kudos to Games Workshop Japan. Like they are doing a really great job uh, on engaging the community, like opening new stores, you know, like this probably we will discuss about when we talk about the community later, but the community, the Warhammer community in Japan compared with the with the West, it's really small. Mm. So it's like you're opening stores without knowing actually if you are actually going to have like enough clients or enough customers to to make the, the, the store a, a success. But they 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 take the risk, open the store, and then it's working. It's it's working pretty well. And not not only that, like uh, they are making things that are unique to Japan, like the Space Marine Heroes. That's just a Warhammer 40k thing, but that was unique to to Japan. It started with Games Workshop Japan, the uh, the Bandai collaboration, for example. It's another idea from Games Workshop Japan. While I think that in the past Games Workshop was doing more like a, a global marketing effort, like it was treating every market the same. I mm. think that they realized that each market is different, so they have to, you know, like take advantage of the each of the uh, different features of different different countries, and that is is working out very well, I think. And it still it has a lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I noticed that from the limited edition Space Marines, you know, that I'd seen at the time. Yeah. Um, the community is very different, so maybe Bastique, you can help kind of introduce the community to me. So. How would you describe Warhammer in in general slash for Japan and Asia? Like, what's your observations, and how would you describe it compared to your time in America? Hmm. It's interesting where um, Japan is a small enough community that when you're on Twitter, you know these people that keep posting. <laughs> like, you know them by name, you know them by their armies. You look at it and you go, "Hey, that's that guy's army," and you'll talk about, you know this same chaos army and you know you just get to know them because they're so iconic but it's a small enough community where you know they just look at the armies and go hey this guy must be playing the other guy that i know from twitter which is very tight-knit still um and it just happens to be a very young community and a very um growing community but also because they're very kind of 
close knit, even if we're far apart, you know, I'll like walk into a Tokyo store and like I'll like post on Twitter, hey, I'm going to the store. You know, two people will just show up and like say hi, which is as I don't think happens anywhere else in the world, really. Um, so it's very tight knit, it's very kind of clean, but you also get to see a lot of people that are just, you know, it's it's a very kind of a small, I don't want to say family, but it's kind of close to that, where you're like, you're one cluster of family and you're a little group. And then you have like other kind of family guys that like just have clusters in other areas, um, you know? So it's it's kind of a cool kind of experience where you're here, you get to know people and then you just, it's, it's you get to like, you, if you feel like you're a full community as of Japan, you know? I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> No, it makes perfect sense. Again, um, I've been following um, a whole bunch of the, the different events. You know, Champion, I've been watching your event grow mm -hmm. over time. And you do, it, it does seem like a really good group of camaraderie and people who are just having fun. And for some people, and, you know, Champion, maybe you can explain this a bit more to me. Um, the first inclinations I might have with your community is that they are mostly expatriates. They are, you know, uh, Americans, Australian, English people who have come over to Japan and they've found their little community kind of meeting up and playing Warhammer. And, you know, maybe maybe the Asians probably are, uh, are playing video games or doing something else, and this is more of a Westerner hobby. Is that true, or are you finding that the demographics are, are, are mixed, or do you find that, you know, at your events you're finding maybe more Asians than, you know, the expatriates? I think that was true at the beginning. Like they were more like uh, expats. Uh, well, I knew more expats than Japanese, also because of the language barrier. My Japanese is not really, really good to to communicate with with other Japanese. That's that's a handicap for me probably. So when I started organizing this, uh, most of the people engaging with the events were foreigners, of course. But now the the last year's tournament was like a 50-50 Japanese and and uh, and foreigners. And I think. That's probably one of the biggest challenges of the, the organizing a, an event here as a foreigner is engaging the Japanese community. So I always have like a Japanese uh, collaborators or Japanese co-organizers who help, of course, on, on, on the organization of the event. So it's not just expatriates. We are getting a mixed job. No, no, no. And especially in Tokyo now, like north of Tokyo, AOS, like there's a big group of players there. They are growing the Japanese community a lot, by a lot. They are doing a fantastic job on engaging Japanese people into the game. They are yeah. growing a lot. Is and there... opening, opening stores in Osaka and Kobe is also helping a lot. Like the the last two small tournaments that I run, there's only eight eight player tournaments just to to help new players to get into the game, to learn the tournament scene, the competitive playing, and they were mostly Japanese. That's great. Which are starting to enjoy like a little bit of more competitive playing, but without you know, like competitive, but without any negative connotation on that. It's like just relaxed with casual competitive. Yeah, I mean you're still playing match play, you're still playing at a tournament. Yes, yes, but exactly. being yeah. being mindful that you've got a new community, you've got a, a fledgling community. The yeah. last thing you want to do is burn bridges and you want to, you know, yeah, treat exactly. someone not nice because you know, because it's it's such a growing and small community that you you're reducing your your opponent pool. So, yes. um, looking after everyone, I guess, as you know, the the scene grows, and I'm sure there are people listening to this thinking about their small town that might have the same type of feelings that um, yeah. you know they, they they try to be as competitive, but maybe not uh, completely destroy your opponent and kind of crush no, them yeah, to the ground. Actually, I've seen uh, tournaments like some really good players telling the opponent, which is a new guy, a new beginner. 
telling the opponent, you have forgot this rule, you have to do this, or you better deploy your this unit here, not there. Even though it's a tournament, they are helping out how to play more a competitive game. And that, that's that's amazing to see that. But Steve, is there any, um, I, I guess this is a nice little, like, I, I really want to know, what type of armies are, do you see across the board? Are there are there particular um, Age of Sigmar armies that people are more drawn to? Um, you know, ones that maybe they can apply a, um, a particular paint style or, you know, one that reflects um, their community better? Or you find that, you know, different armies are, um, are all represented in some form of another? So... In my community that I play in, which is the Kobe, Sanomiya, and the Osaka, which is Western Japan, um, we have a really good split um, um, of armies. In certain areas, you have like 60% corn for some reason, just because the owner plays corn or something. It's just, it varies, obviously. Um, and I think uh, right at the moment as we speak, I think we're just missing a few armies. Otherwise, we're an even split. Um, and some people have two armies, three yeah. armies. So it's, it's interesting. Right now, as we speak, as of the moment, there are three or four battle tomes that aren't translated into Japanese, which is Legion of Nagash, um, Daughters of Cain, uh, Idanith Deepkin, and uh, Nurgle, um, which is the four armies that aren't translated. Otherwise, we have Japanese translations for all of these new armies since um, second edition uh, Stormcasts. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you're you're running a GW hobby. You're gonna get a whole bunch of people who are Stormcasts. It's just, it's it's like 40k. It runs Space Marines. It just, it's just a part of the game. For some reason, I haven't seen a lot of Night Night Haunt, but I mean, you know, it's okay. it, it's weird. It's just, it, people just, I, I, a lot of the Night Haunt players for some reason run to um, Flesh Eater Courts <clears> or some <throat> other Death Army, um, Oshiak Born Reapers. Um, but effectively, like, yeah, you get that concentration of Stormcast, and then it just splits. It it really splits evenly. Yeah. Yeah, that's what do you great. Think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would have assumed, and again, this is my ignorance, uh, I would have assumed that maybe there were some armies that would draw more people than others, you know. Um, you know, like maybe Ideneth Deepkin, for example, I would imagine those models might be more of this Asian style, especially they're a little bit more manga or bo even Bone Reapers are a little bit more Asian-influenced in their aesthetics. Oh, I think I think I got to talk about this. Um, so I don't know if in Australia, but in the U.S., everyone transported by cars. In Japan, everybody transports by train. So a big part of army selection yeah. is you got to be oh, able to transport. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so Sylvaneth is like <laughs> off the car. It's like yeah, I, can't, so like, I <laughs> can't bring my big crate of, of, of Sylvaneth Wildwoods on the train. Right. And the trains are pretty condensed, right? Like you are yeah. pretty right. squishy on those right. trains. You can't move a suitcase around in a little train. So, you know, you're like, you're the biggest bane in the Deepkin players. What are you going to do with those flying bases on those eels? Like, it's going to snap by the time I get there. <laughs> so I think I think it's a consideration that Japanese Warhammer players definitely make, which is, you know, making everything compact and unbreakable so it doesn't break on your way to the store or way to the game community. Yeah, that's probably okay. a big point, yeah. Well, that probably leads me to another question I've been burning because when I was in Japan, uh, especially, and even in Asia in general, some some countries are different than others. But you know, a general thing that I noticed in Asian countries is that space is at a premium. And yeah. I know when we we're talking offline, you know, I was describing what my community looks like, 
and my community looks like that I have a table that is dedicated to hobby. I have um, bits galore. I've got parts. I've got a you know a, a, a particular area for spray spray painting with my airbrush. Then I've got a light box. I've got all my parts. I've got millions of paints. I've got literally everything. And then when I want to play hobby, I've got a garage where I can have like two or three six by fours that I can have mates come around and play. Um, I can go to someone's basement and, you know, play play different games or, you know, there's there's so many places for me to set up a, a hobby. Um, but when I was in Japan, I noticed that things were at an absolute premium, that, you know, the kitchen sizes were so small that um, that that <laughs> the idea of me putting up a six by four or a permanent um, painting station is probably impossible, at least from my observations being from being Tokyo. And we just talked about space being a premium on a train, you know, people transporting by 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 train instead of car. Um, how do you guys find your community and how do, you, how, do, how do you work with that? How do you work with not having a dedicated paint station by, you know, picking up games and, you know, you mentioned Games Workshop being a, a place. And even when I was in, um, uh, when, when I was at the Harajuku Games Workshop, that was only a really small store unless it's kind yeah, of moved and gotten bigger. Yeah. I think it maybe had like one, two tables to play. It was a very narrow store. Um, Usually they have only one table to play, so or two tables. So it's like, yeah, it's crowded or you're gonna wait or you have to reserve the table to play. So it's, that's one of the main difference with the with the West when it comes to the Warhammer community. Uh, in general, there is no space, but for for gaming stores, stores here, not only games workshop, like independent stores are really small. And uh, compared with the, I've been in the in stores in in the UK and and the States, and they tend to be huge with a lot of tables. They have space for tournaments. They have space for to run anything in parallel, whatever. Here it's only one one or two tables. So what we usually do is to book a community center, a room in a community center. So you gotta do that in advance because that community center is used for a huge variety of things, not only for for nerds like us. And you yeah, put that then orchestra playing in the other side of this hall. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, that, that's pretty cultural, right? Like you, you know, you've got you've got instead of elevator music, you've got you know, <laughs> literally an orchestra playing, and you, mm -hmm. you're trying to shout okay, people. Get BGM minutes, for free, you know. Half an hour to go, guys, and like someone's playing like you know uh, a massive yeah. symphony. So that's how we play. Basically, we organize an event. We have to organize a game day, and then everyone like comes and like, we gather all together and play. So Bastard, for example, he, he has a lot of experience organizing game days uh, in Kobe every month. I organize these small tournaments and with another friend of me, uh, Romain, in Kobe, we also organize uh, uh, game days, not only for HSMR, of course, like for any game, like 40K, uh, any other no one hammer game. So that's how we get to play. That's uh, the space. And also in the stores, apart from Games Workshop, when you want to play in a store, like, as you said, the space is so limited and it's at the premium. Like you gotta pay for playing the table. It's not like in the states where you get the tables and you play for free. Um, but I think it's like that, right? In the states and in Australia and my, 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 in most England, places, most... yeah. So like in my community, most most of the time it's free. Um, maybe there's a couple of dollars um, people will yeah, charge. Yeah. Uh, you might get a, you might get a drink. It's included with it, like a can of soft okay. drink or. Um, you know, they might waive it if you spend, you know, $20 or $50 yeah, in exactly, store. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, they've got to pay their bills, right? 
-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So here is like renting the, the, the space for the store is very expensive. Uh, as I said, the community is really small. If they don't charge for playing, it's difficult to keep the, the store alive. So you usually have to pay like 10 American dollars probably. And that gives you the whole day to play. Yeah, awesome. So it's still. It's, it's and it really also cheap. depends on the number of people and where you book it. Like yes. some of the events that I help with, you're usually charging everywhere between four to five dollars for a full day, and you get a full mm. table. But that just comes from the fact that we're using a old shutdown grade school, and we're playing like grade four classroom. They got shut down twenty years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's, it's a cool kind of thing where it's just, it's this giant community room. Um, yeah. but you know, because, you know, we just book it far enough in advance. We know the dates we book it and then it's like $4, $5 per person and whatever gets carried over, we just buy boards with, you know? Yeah. And then it's no different to going to an internet cafe, right? We you know they're, they're huge in Asia. Yeah. Um, yeah. they're not as big in the West, but you know, these internet cafes where you hire a computer for, uh, I don't know, a day or a couple of hours to play world of Warcraft and you, you know, get some food or whatever game that you are. Right. It's probably no different. And again, we want these stores to be around, whether it's a local gaming yes. store, whether yeah. it's a dedicated yeah. space, do you want to, you want them to pay their bills so you can keep coming there um, and playing and, and investing as you mentioned um, yeah. better, better terrain, better tables, mats, you know, resources to, to, to again, build the community. And because we need right. the space to play too, as you say, like, uh, apartments houses tend to be really small so we cannot like invite our mates to to come in and play because we cannot put a table here so i'm lucky to have my own hobby room but that's not common in japan yeah i had to be in the living room when my wife is not at home let's <laughs> <laughs> think you were saying sorry even so when, when i play here i cannot play in this room i have to play in the living room so i put like two big boards to make a six by four table and it, that's always when my wife is not here of course I think it's worth mentioning that even even in Japan, like um, the you you look at the painting table, you don't have your craft room. So a lot of mm. people will find some really interesting ways to um, f you know make a paint painting table or like store your paints for that matter. Um, and it's just you look at some of these like DIY masterpieces out there in some of these places. It's like the one thing you learn in Japan is there's a way to store anything anywhere <laughs> it's like there's like you know space engineering in like the like like catastrophic style it's like you look at it and it's like how did you paint how did you like shove 200 paints into this small area and they'll find a way and it's like all systematic where you just like you pull up you pull this thing out and it just has your paint that you need you know it's like it's like the most like some people are like the most organized people in the world it's like but it just comes from necessity where you have to find a space to store your paints, like, you know, two feet above you or, you know, just, you'll, they'll find a way, but it's just, it's, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of ideas. I, I hope this, this doesn't, I hope this doesn't sound bragging because that's not the point of why I'm ra raising this, but the hot, the room that I'm in right now, which is my hobby room, my spare room is probably the size of the place, the house that I, I hired <laughs> in Tokyo. So, uh, again, it's not me bragging saying I'm in this massive house, but it's the fact that I've got this literally yeah. dedicated hobby room where I've got literally everything that I need that is not accessible to others. Um, so it's just fascinating as well to think about just the creativity and seeing the structure and the genius and the organization. Yeah. And again, the limitations as well um, that people it's are operating yeah. in the community, right? Yeah. 
and we've got the best dollar shops in the world, hands down. Like <laughs> they will sell everything in that dollar shop. <laughs> yeah, I, I always go to my Japanese dollar shop to get my makeup brushes to dry brush. Uh, the, the 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 day that I learned one, makeup brushes are amazing for dry brush, and then two, the fact that the Japanese yeah. dollar stores are like dirt cheap and they're good quality. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of paint. Um, do you find that armies are painted traditionally as they're depicted on the battle tomes and their boxes? Or do you find that you, you that people are bringing their, again, the anime, the manga, the um, gunpla, the, um, you know, that, that type of, st that Japanese Asian style to their hobby? What does it look I, like? I think everything, right? Like I've seen uh, standard, like classical stormcast in, in gold, in golden armor to uh i was calling like uh tom cinch i've been talking like really nice conversions with a really nice paint job from from james from the north of Tokyo group uh people like painting i don't know like uh, i think people we find in the description some of the the, the guys that paint japan like this again not no no chase of simmer it's 40k but a guy painting space marines in the power rangers colors there's a like a huge variety of uh how people paint the, the armies. It's not it's not stick to the to the battle tome or to the canonical paint scheme. Like anyone I've seen many, many different super original paint uh All right, I'm gonna bring it up. in the area, so yeah. Bastide, Bastide, I'm gonna break the, bringing this up now. So you you yeah. sent me these photos. I might as well bring these up. Um, but I still want you to describe me um, <laughs> the community, right? So again, uh, are people painting traditional, or are they bringing like an Asian anime uh, manga? Um, you know, something that is, that is closer to your culture. Are, are they bringing that to the table? And this, by the way, folks, what you're looking at here is a flesh eater courts army that was put together. Um, if you look closely, you either see a, 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 a ghoul king, you see horrors, you're starting to see just, and, and I'll sh there's one more picture there uh, as well. But Bastide, do you want to share a bit more about what this is and, and, and the person who sent this to you? Sure. Um, this is Yusan, which is a friend of ours. Um, he's a local. Um, he actually started really recently, I think within the last year or so. Um, just walked into the store and he's a big comic book fan. And then, you know, as comic books aren't that popular in Japan, we've got people who are like uber comic book fans. I mean, Marvel, you know, you name it, it's just there. Um, and then, you, you know, it's like this little superheroes are like kind of like this niche thing in a way, American comics. And then he just like, decided to walk in one day and he looked, you know, like three days later, he comes in and there's Deadpool. It's like, <laughs> what did you do to this model again? You know, um, And, you know, like, this is just, you know, like you see Venom, you see, you know, Doctor Strange, you see Spider-Man, you know, it's just, it's, he, he'll like, his ar entire army is this way. You know, you go to a game day and he's just like, hey, you know, this is my army. And it's just really cool where he like puts this together i'm sure it may happen anywhere else but i think it's just you have a bunch of people who are dedicated enough and go hey yeah. let's just try this let's just do this and then everyone's fairly um kind of adapt adaptable to that so i, I think right. it's really cool this is he's like he's his army is really iconic too um morikawa-san which is the other um guy we had she's in the description um has a power rangers like a rangers thing he's got his own settings kind of real role player he'll play you know he'll like post twitter posts about how his rangers busted some like, <laughs> like evil organization in some you know 
uh, planet, and then he's got a Fire Slayers army that are very similarly painted with all the different colored, you know, like Mohawks. So it's, you know, you, you see these iconic armies. I have never really, I mean, I've seen some people who paint their uh, armies in like um, Gundam colors, um, but you don't really, you know, it's like, they're just colors. So, I mean, there's there's some people who will just get into it. I don't know. I, I don't know if this is something that happens in, you know, uh, or Australia. I don't know. Um, but it's. I figured it's a cool thing to share to the larger community where mm. it's like, hey, these guys are in Japan. We've got cool modelers. We've got, you know, we've got modelers. We've got painters. We've got players that are, you know, I think world class. So, If it makes you feel any better, um, there's a gentleman in my community that I play with uh, quite often. His name's by Dan, Dan Brewer. Uh, people who, who watch this channel might know him. Um, Dan has he has a Skaven, Skaven army and he has his Vermin Lord and there's one particular one that carries like an orb and uh, he's painted that up like a Pokemon ball. So uh, he... <laughs> God, I catch them all. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's beautiful. Like, you know, if he does any damage nice. with his orb, he, he means he's, you know, trying to put me in the Pokeball so I can battle for him eventually. <laughs> That's nice. but, so, so what I'm hearing is that, um, you know, it's not, like, obviously anyone can apply their own concepts and their own hobby, People are bringing certain styles to the to the table, but certainly it also does still look and feel like Warhammer. Again, probably everyone yeah. brings their, their own selves to the table. Uh, this is a great example, but not necessarily. This is not the normal. I'm not going to go to a uh, Rising Sun GT no, yeah. and everyone everyone has a, a DC or Marvel based no, no, yeah. army. No. <laughs> um, is there much overlap with the gunpa? The um, that that kind of I guess what what is for, for anyone who maybe doesn't know what we're talking about here, what is that gunpla aesthetic or what is that what what even is that for for people? Sorry, but that is the best reply. Well, I mean, you know, gunpla is Gundam. I mean, it, Gundam plastics. So you have this white, you know, thing. You have white and red, and you know, I mean, it's just it's very kind of futuristic machinery kind of thing and then they'll just paint that that way i've had a couple people do like macross style um for anyone who, who's really old enough robotech um like paint style just like this in white like kind of clean science fiction like look um and then you know they'll they'll just have these things where they'll just paint it that way um, we have a lot of people who cross over from that gunpla community um who start their hobby kind of experience learning how to paint learning how to do this in either you know uh gum uh, gundam plastics or uh actually military style plastic because tamiya is also a japanese company that is very big very you know these model airplanes these model you know tanks and then people love that tank aesthetic get in look go into the warhammer store look at a Lehman russ battle tank in 40k and say hey that's my army that i want to do that um, and then get started in this, and there's like, hey, what do you mean I can play games with this awesome, you know, thing that I painted? So <laughs> that's awesome. I, I used to me, I used to me a glue, and that's my favorite plastic glue <laughs> of all time. And I, and even their their primers are, are pretty sweet. There, actually, all of their tools, I think, when I, I bought from Tamiya, they're just awesome. Um, yeah, really good. Yeah, never even thought about them as Japanese. That's cool. Um, that's very cool. Uh, by the way, if anyone, we've kind of danced around this as well. Uh, in the description of the episode below, um, I do have a whole bunch of people that um, that the the boys have recommended that uh, if you want to learn more about uh, or you want to follow some people um, on Instagram, on YouTube, on Twitter, 
anyone who's got a blog. Um, it's some wonderful, wonderful community members, uh, really strong representation in female hobbyists as well, which is very, very cool. I think you were saying before, one of the most popular Japanese style um, painters in your community is a female as well. So yes, um, great, great to see a, a strong representation. It just shows that uh, the hobby is for everyone. Cool. All right. <laughs> do you want to go through some of them or? I, yeah. Do you want to give them a shout out? I don't have anything on yeah, screen. Sure, can, of course, yeah. You, you guys can give them well, a shout out. Sanasuke san, I mean, she has a YouTube channel where she paints not only Warhammer, but also Gampla. So you can see different styles. She has a really particular style, like really colorful. So it, it's worth a watch. Um, then one of my most favorite painters in Japan is Nohara san. I think a lot of people follow him. He won some uh, painting contests uh, from this famous uh, hobby journal is in Japan. The, hobby. Is it sorry? Is it the Golden Demon one you showed me? No, that's that's Ken. Yeah, uh, Nohara san was ever chosen. I think ever he, yeah, he, he was. He was not selected. Yeah, he got selected. He got the ever chosen in the store, and then he he went to the big uh, uh, event. So he's 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 an amazing painter. So he paints Age of Simar and 40k mainly. Uh, I think people he should play him. He plays AOS in the region. Like he's, he plays he's AOS in Racing Sun too. Yeah, yeah, he's a good he's, player he's too. Yeah. <laughs> he got a, a talent for everything playing and painting and everything. Pe then, people shouldn't have all the talent. Like they can't be good players <laughs> and good painters <laughs> and, and, and just generally nice guys. Like you got to have a floor. You can't just he's be also the best. Nice guy, he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, he's one of the nicest guys that I know. It's like the golden triangle, right? The nice yeah. guy, nice guy or girl, wonderful painter, wonderful player. That's the that's what we're striving for. Yeah. Then uh, uh, Ken, Ken, uh, Ikeda, Ikeda, I think is a full name. He's a golden demon winner. Uh, I think I I pass you the the, the link to his entry. Yeah. Oh, oh. I don't know if it's in the description or not. Yeah, in, in the description, there's links. Yeah, yeah so feel. And if there's any any more that we forget about that we're going to put on, I'll I'll make sure to update it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do highly recommend you go check them out because you do see a completely yeah. different style. Um, and there's things that I've learned. Like I've been watching this, and you know, despite me not understanding the the language, I've been yeah. able to like just observe some some skills and some ideas. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I've never thought about it this way because someone just sees miniature painting in a very different way than I see that, and. I can yeah. borrow from those concepts, which uh, I think is brilliant. So Ken is, is as I was saying, is a Golden Demon winner. I, I recommend people to follow him on Instagram. And also, he's really active on Twitter, too. Uh, after that, so I got a few. So Makoto-san, it's another. He has not been painting Warhammer recently. But if you follow him on Instagram and go a little bit uh, down on his feet, you will find like super really nice non-metallic metal painting that he's really good at. Uh, then yeah, Morikawa-san and Yusan that we were talking about them before. And then there is uh, this guy who, he doesn't paint uh, Warhammer, but is probably, if not the best, one of the best painters in Japan, who is Keigo Murakami. And I didn't know him until very recently. I was introduced uh, by another friend from, from Tokyo, Brian. But it's worth a it's worth a check too. He's really, really an amazing painter. Go give him a follow, folks. Go give him a follow. Again, everything is in the description below. But Steve, anything else you'd add to that? Any other people you'd shout out? Anyone you think's worth checking? Obviously, without insulting everyone, like everyone's worth the follow. <laughs> but is there anyone that kind of stands out as well that we haven't missed that um, we should um, highlight? 
I mean, as far as painters go, I think um, Champy hit the most all, you know, we, we both talked about it, you know, put together the list, um, you know, uh, it's, I think it's worth mentioning that some of these guys, I don't know, um, like our professional painters that run painting classes in Japan, yeah. um, which is a really kind of a cool experience where you get to the, know these people, you know, they're like Kuritsuki-san and uh, Senosuke-san both run painting classes mm. uh, once in a while and you get to know these people, like you're, they're real people, you get to know them, you get to talk to them and they'll, they're nice people, you know, you talk to them and they're like hey you know like yeah they'll, they'll like give you tips no harasan will like show up the local store they paint for hobby japan too right sometimes yes yes yeah, yeah. they're in the local Which is, magazine as, yeah as far as to say is like the biggest hobby magazine in japan and it's something to say like i know harasan's um uh uh Blood Angel, like, uh, display oh, yeah, is actually in the yeah. store, but it's like that made it into the hobby machine, uh, hobby, uh, Japan, uh, magazine. You look at this amazing thing, and then it's just worth something. It's such a tight knit community, they just walk into your local store and it's there. Yeah. It's like, really? <laughs> it's, it's very surreal. Like, the I remember yeah. the first time I met Vince Venturella, um, you know, who, who is, you know, the probably yeah. an equivalent in America, you know. Sam Lands, Vince Venturella, yeah. Oscar Lars, Tyler Mengel. These are just some of the many names that are known for their brilliant painting. Mm. And you meet them for the first time and it's very surreal. You're like, I've been watching a YouTube for a long time. Uh, you know, and they're just average humans. You know, they'll talk you through <laughs> ideas. And then you're right. Like you, you go to your local gaming store and there's this, you know, world-renowned painter in just like a pickup game. So it's, yeah. it's pretty <laughs> remarkable. Uh, and uh, Garrett, Garrett just brought, I'm going to bring up this comment here. Um, we've got, uh, you know, True, one of yeah. The, um, yeah, one of the armies on parade as well. Is, uh, how would you, how do I say that? Um, Makoto. Makoto, yeah. 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 Um, that, that's Thorncast army on parade. He's a really nice painter and a really nice player. He, he started yeah. organizing, he was the, he, um, I started Rising Sun with him. Okay. So he was the Japanese side of Rising Sun GT. And I'll get to that in a second. I want I want to ask two questions more about the community, and then I want to I want to get into the Rising Sun slash the the tournament scene in Japan. Yeah, okay. uh, two, probably really quick questions. Question number one: um, Do you find there is much crossover in Warhammer and like the video game culture, the anime culture, you know, or are they kind of completely separate? Um, I guess nerd co conventions. Well, I, this is my personal take on it. Like, video games aren't really considered nerdy anymore in Japan. Everyone more or less plays video games. Just really, I don't know yeah. if it's that way in the West anymore. No, it's, it's like, true. Like, I was walking through my local shopping center yesterday, and I saw Dungeons and Dragons manuals in my local shopping center in just like a regular shop. Um, and that used yeah. to be a thing that you know was like shunned by. Like, you play Dungeons and Dragons, you were a nerd, and you know yeah. you, you would never talk about it in public. Um, and now it's like literally, um, you know, you walk past it. So yeah, right. Like video games aren't as nerdy as as um, as they yeah. used to be. Right, and anime is kind of the same way in Japan, where you know it's like yeah. all these popular <laughs> animes. Like you see this average high school girl, and she'll be watching like One Piece or like Kimetsu no Eva or something, and it just look at it and go, "Hey, like it's maybe not like the nerd is the new cool." You know, it's just it's it's such a weird world. Yeah. Um, on that subject, since everyone watches it, yes to some default there's definitely a crossover um in that respect um but because it's such main street right now it's like you know 
It's like, do you watch TV? It's probably at some point anime, at some time in your lifetime, and then you do you play Warhammer, you know, in that respect. So it's like it's it's kind of a weird question where it's like it's not as special, I think, in a sense. Yeah. Right. Let me tell you Warhammer, Warhammer, I haven't seen any army that has been painted like uh, you know, following any anime or anything like that. It's probably some people doing that, but it's not like a general norm at all. It's not like a, a it's not a complete crossover. It's not like No, um, no, yeah. But there are probably but, some people who, who 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 do it, but yeah, it's not the general thing. Uh well my 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 co-host Liam is a massive anime fan and he is always like trying to tell me about doing Pikachu's and Bulbazars and <laughs> the type of, he's always trying to tell me how to put them into Warhammer and I'm like, go away, stop telling me about this stuff. Um <laughs> Because I was, I grew up on the tail end of Pokemon. When Pokemon came out in the late nineties, I was yeah. in that older teen, so I kind of missed the boat. So um, oh. I don't, I don't quite get it. Uh, I did have a Tamagotchi and stuff, but Pokemon <laughs> <laughs> well, was one of my first video games actually on a on a Game Boy. Yeah. There you go. That was one of my first ones. Yeah. The other question I had for you is, um, how is Warhammer perceived in Japan? by the average person mm. is it nerdy is it cool is it like you know you're the super hunk and all the girls or the guys really want you um like are you like how how is the are they perceived in the community i guess is for my is experience it the, i think it's it's considered nerdy of course i mean it's, it's a nerdy thing to do which is really cool <laughs> but uh i don't think it's seen in a bad way at all it's just like you know, it's, it's, it's an otaku thing. Otaku is the, the word for nerdy in Japanese. Um, but that's... I think that's, it's just foreign, too. Like, it's so foreign. Yeah. Like, for a lot oh, of yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like yes. It's so different than anything you see. Do you think like, it's got, like, a bit of, like, mystique behind that? Because, like, in the West, right, you know, ma manga and, and anime, for example, is becoming more popular, but I wouldn't say it's mainstream just yet. Um, you know, there is there is a good growing community, but certainly mm -hmm. not everyone watches it. Um, but people know about it, but um, yeah. and there's still a bit of mystique around around it. Do you reckon Warhammer has a bit of mystique? And it's like that sounds interesting. It looks cool. Not I don't know if yeah. it's for me or not. I don't know how to I do think it. Also, yeah, I think also the painting is so foreign, so like above their heads that like you know like guaranteed like. 60% of the people that walk in listen to people like the store managers talk about this like it's so easy to paint 60% ain't buying it until you do it <laughs> it's like you know it's it's so foreign it's like you see this thing it's like what do you mean I can paint it and then they don't believe it they do it and then they're like hey maybe I can and then get into the hobby a lot of the times so no so different to us they like they look at this plastic model and you're like how did you turn that to that yeah, um, yeah. and there's like this mystery yeah. between like how you went from step a to step b um, and they just don't know about Duncan in his two thin coats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I think it's, it, it just adds that layer of like foreign and mystique to like unconceivable to some degree. So now that he's, he's mentioning about it, it's a foreign concept. I think it's worth mentioning that how difficult it is to introduce a foreign, uh, product into Japan. It's a really protective market for, for many things. I, I'm always been told about this example of uh, Vodafone. It's a phone company from, from England, I think. But they, Vodafone? They tried, yeah, they tried to, to get into the Japanese market like long time ago, and they completely failed as a foreign company for that. There are like really good examples like Apple. They go like into the market with a great success, but it's not the general... Uber for that matter. 
yeah, Uber, for example, they they had a success here, but it's not it's not normal to be a foreign company and they have success in Japan. Well, as you mentioned, like you know, they they recently have paired up with the um, the Japanese hobby yeah. magazine, but also what we've seen is those custom heroes that are only available yeah. in Japan. You know, like the Space Marine, like the um, sorry, what's it called? The um, the the intercessor, the, yeah, the, figure action, the action figure, yeah. Yeah, the action figure. Like you got stuff yeah. like that coming out, which is integrated yeah. with the culture, yeah. and that would, and and you know off the back of that success. And I know for us, we really want that stuff, but it's exclusive to Japan. Yeah. But you know, like that that will just continue to grow and, and kind of show yeah. the integration to the market. Yeah, so it's good that they are trying to adapt to to the Japanese market and probably to the Asian general uh, the Asian market in general. So it's good that they try to change from the global marketing to a more like localized thing. Right. I think it's worth mentioning that like some of the gum gum plastic community or like the military Tamiya hmm. magazine uh, the com uh, community is actually looking to the Citadel paints because they're so easy to paint with. It's very, yeah. very it's getting popular because some people that do gumpla will use Citadel paints to paint stuff. Hmm. And you know, it's like people like Sinusuke, like we introduced earlier, yeah, she she'll uses like Citadel, walk, yeah. she'll use that to paint Gundam miniatures. I think it just draws more people to the community, which I think is great. Yeah, I think there's been a couple of times where I've watched a video and I've seen them using contrast, um, and I'm like, oh, how do you know about contrast? Not that you you shouldn't know about contrast, but it's it's like that little surprise. You're like, oh, I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a Vallejo. I was expecting, you know, uh, an army painter or maybe maybe even a an Asian based painting um, company. But there you go. So, um, yeah, Samilla or Gaia Colors or something like that. Yeah, which are like major companies in in Japan. And you're not short of hobby supplies in that respect in Japan. You oh yeah, walk a regular shoppy <laughs> shop, and there's just like walls and walls of just like, here's your exacto knife, and there's like twenty different shapes and twenty different companies that'll make it for you. Now you never know what they are for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what is this thing? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm always play... lost in this story. Yeah. I'm gonna play a short video now. Um, sure. podcast people, I apologize. Just uh, skip forward like a minute, but I'm going to play a short little video to introduce the rising sun GT. Then I want to talk a bit more. I'm going to show some photos. So, uh, I hope you enjoy this short little video from uh, a previous event. <laughs> There you go. So that's a small little sneak peek into uh, Rising Sun GT, and we do have some pictures, and I might actually bring them up before we get into the topic. I actually, we'll we'll do it while we talk at the topic. So, Rising Sun, I keep talking about it. It's one of the bigger events, and certainly not the only event, but one of the bigger events. So maybe we'll put, we'll paint everything with a broad brush, and let's talk about events in Asia and Japan. So what you're seeing here on the screen is just a small sample of of armies that have been um, have been shared with me. But I want to talk a bit about the landscape of tournaments in Asia and Japan. So from a competitive point of view, you mentioned, you know, um, you previously mentioned that uh, people don't go there to absolutely crush their opponents. They still want to help and they still want to have a good game, mm. especially because it's a fledgling and growing community. 
what does the competitive landscape look like? How would you describe it? You know, do you find it's a lot of shooting, a lot of combat, a lot of uh, lot of magic? Um, is there a particular way you would describe it, or is it a bit of a mix? Before we go into that, I just very small amendment. So that video was from from Bastet's Bastet's event. There you go. Cover. Which, what, what's yeah, the event called? Just yeah, our games are pretty similar. So, like, we yeah, get a bunch uh, of tables pretty close. Good clarification. What event was that? Oh, that was the unofficial game group that yeah. we put together once every once every month. In also. a community center that we were mentioning. Well, it's not yeah. a community center, right? It's like a school. Yeah, it's a community center that used to be a great school. It used to be a school, okay. Yeah. All right. And, and when we go some, through some of these other photos, you will see it yeah. literally looks like a school. So uh, podcast people, come check out the YouTube video eventually. But uh, there are some cool photos. So uh, we are looking at some amazing painted pictures. You know, we've got um, yep. some Zench, some Iron Jaws, some uh, from Seraphon, some uh, more Iron Jaws. But talk to me about, yeah, what, what, is it, what does the meta look like? What does that community look like from a competitive point of view? Um, so how would you describe it? There is nothing like that we can call actually a meta, I would, I would say, because the community is still too small. So we get not enough players to say like there is a general trend into the army. So there is, it's a bit a bit mixed. People tend to change the army to also from one year to another. Um, I don't know, for the, the first tournament that we ran uh, two years ago, uh, it was won by uh, KO, like Caradon Overlords. It was a shooting army then, and it was not a really popular army at the time. So uh, last year it was Slanish. It was... Uh, at the time where Slanish was a little bit too strong, I'd say. But after that, it's pretty mixed, I'd say. It's the same with the, the armies that people carry generally, that they don't tend to go like too much shooting or too much magic or anything like that. It's it's pretty much even, I guess. So it's quite reflective of what the West might describe. So when Zench was really strong, you might have some strong Zench. It's yeah, not like yeah. it's not like you had like this completely different world where people are running. I don't know something that's not quote unquote meta. No, yeah, but that's what I say. Like the, the first tournament was won by Canada Nobilo when they were not strong at all. So it's like people don't play super competitive either. Uh, they they play what they like at the time. So there is nothing like you would say that is strong in Japan. Like people like this kind of play style, and then they they go to that. Basically. The state. How would you describe the 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 event community? So you know, if, if I was <clears> going to come for the first time, and you're going to tell me about um, the community bestite. How would you how would you pitch it to me, or how would you describe it to me? Um, you know, like who, who who attends? Like, what does an event look like? Like, this give me give me the give we me get, the, we get so, like 50, 50 Japanese foreigners. That's yep. basically, and everyone is super open. Yeah, are you talking about Japanese. regular events or Rising Sun only? I'm talking about right. I mean, any, any of the major events, you know, Rising Sun. What's it, what's not? Is it not uh, the uh, yeah, Tokyo? Not not a US. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we can talk Rising Sun, but um, you know, obviously, yeah. Well, la larger overall, events in general. Overwhelmingly casual. Um, yeah, we, yeah. the Japanese community is very very casual. Um, and a lot of people just flat out shy away from tournaments. I gotta say, we're not a very com competitive community. I don't know, Champy. Do you agree with that? I mean, it is, it is competitive in the sense that people want to win, of course, but we don't get any of the, those guys, you know, like we don't yeah. get, or at least not many of, of, of them. Uh, yeah. I'd say that, yeah, the 99.9% .9 of the community is super relaxed in the game. They play on the rules, they want to win, but they don't want to win at all costs, mm. yeah. right? They want to have fun, they want to have some laughs, they want to enjoy the event, 
while trying to win. Yep. That's what you're going to find. You're not going to find super strong guys that they are going to destroy you from like turn one. Mm-hmm. They're going to play the game. And they'll bring lists that are like strong. They'll bring, they won't bring the, I think Champion put it the best. I think we have people who are very casual players that'll bring fairly strong lists. Um, very sta- either standard or stylized, but they're not. You're not going to bring. They're not going to bring the 200 Griffhound army. You know, they're not going to bring the. You know, the the really peaky peaky armies. Um, so you know, you go to an average game spot, you're going to see. You know, Gloomspike Kid. You're going to see a hundred. You know, Grots. You're going to see like that Squig Boing Hopper Happy. Yeah, you're going to see the Mangler Squig on. You know, Loom Boss and Mangler Squig. Um, but they'll play very friendly. Um, and I think. Um, I think champions, I think Tartar champions, you know, I don't want to say uh, troubles of trying to get people in the rising sun is that a lot of people just don't want to go to tournaments. A lot of people are very casual. Yeah. They just want to skip it that way. Um, because, I mean, I think the community is so young in that sense where they don't know what it, what the draw is. Um, and I think it's part on us to kind of show that draw where, you know, you learn new things, you get to, you, you, you are a better player. You can become a better, better player. You you want to improve your game? Go join a tournament because it's awesome. And I think we're just having yeah. a hard time trying to press because it's awesome part. So is it so is it to do with the fact that it's two days? Like the commitment's too long? Is it is it a perception that um because I imagine you, know, you go to a video game competition and I, I know I have competed in video game competitions, you know, the stakes are quite high. And I guess if I heard tournament for the first time. I might think that it's that's the same type of environment. That is probably the main problem. That that is what people like Japanese people mainly think about the tournament that they are gonna get into something that is not gonna be fun. Mm. First, because the this game is mainly in English, not because that the, the, the Arfornias player, but the game per se is, is is written in English and everything. So FAQs, for example, don't get translated into Japanese really quick. So they tend to think that they are going to fail. They're gonna be to a to a disadvantage to foreign players too. That could be also one of the reasons that uh, uh, Japanese players might, uh, find difficult to to join. So that's what, one of the biggest challenges of the tournament scene in in, in Japan is to engage the Japanese community into mm. it. It's, it's We're not scary people, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, um, I think part of that. I don't want to be, you know dissing other games that's not what i meant to do um but i think uh we have a very fairly large magic the gathering community and it's yeah. from what i understand fairly cutthroat like you go to a tournament and they will kick they will kick you in the balls if you like don't come prepared yeah um, i was playing before. magic a few years back and i stopped playing because even on a friday night magic i was getting destroyed every time there was no mercy at all and it, that's that's and that's definitely a part 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 of yeah. What's cool in some games, you know, I think I'm not going to diss that. I think there's definitely value to saying, hey, you know, you want to go play the top end. You know, there's Japanese magic players that are like world class. That's in your local store. You know, Warhammer doesn't I don't want to say has a, you know, person that plays in the world class tournaments yet. Um, So I think we're we're very young in that respect. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, you know, it's like. Rising Sun's a great opportunity. You want to play. You, uh, you know, we want people to play. But I think we're just having a hard time trying to, you know, 
patch that wound in a sense, <laughs> you know, try to get that like, you know, hey, what's the draw? What's awesome? And I think, you know, a couple people will play like last year. We had a couple people from Rising Sun this year. We'll have a couple, you know, this year, the next year, we have a couple people, you know, and then we have North of Tokyo seem to have a couple people who were just first time tournament goers. And we're just going to build on that because I think everyone had a great time in Rising Sun. Everyone had a great time in North of Tokyo Um, that tournaments are this, you know, like you get to meet new people. You get to play, you know how it's like you get to play your local dudes and then you play mm. a certain way and then you see a totally different meta and it's just something new and awesome, you know, I think it's a great opportunity to do that. But I think it just takes a while to kind of for that to click in a sense. Yeah, yeah. we talk, we talk, I talk with, with Bastard a lot about this uh, in person, like it's such a great opportunity to meet other people to play. I mean, in the Japanese community, because one of the things that we, we haven't mentioned before is like, even though the community itself, like in the social network and everything feels like a family within Japan, it's also like very fractured when it comes to physical contact into games. Like people are associated like in small groups and they tend to play always in the same store with the same people all the time. They don't mix with each other, right? Right. Like we get these stores in Osaka where they have like their fixed customers and they play there. And then we have the, the store in Kobe with the fixed customers there and they play there. Generally, not, not all of them, of course. So the tournament is a great chance to get everyone together. That is still like, it's difficult to, to, to break that. We're working and on it. We're working on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and look, you know, like it, there's no different whether you're in the East or the West. It is the same challenges. It's just, it's, it sounds like there might be a few more limitations to your community. Um, and certainly, you know, travel and distance and, you know, even just mentioning simply that, um, most of Japan or, you know, ca cars aren't as common as they would be in, let's say, in America. So, you know, maybe catching the train out to Osaka from Tokyo and then, you know, staying away from my family mm. um, might be a challenge that, you know, us Westerners are like, I can't wait to leave my family. I can't <laughs> wait, uh, you know, stay in a hotel. But that might be such a foreign concept. Um, but, you know, for ultimately, uh, again, whether you are an, a Westerner or an Easterner, um, you know, the, the tournament is not, not always about the competition. It is about, uh, the, yeah. the camaraderie. It's about the collaboration. It's about meeting new people. It's about growing your community. Yes. It's about, um, learning and practicing, um, the wins. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a, t there's 10% of the people who are going to those tournaments because they want to win. They want to yeah. win the event. They want to win the prizes. They want to get the trophy. They want the glory, but you've got this big, big group in the middle that couldn't care less. They would like to win more more than they lose, but as long as they have five great games and they meet new people and they have fun, um, the outcome isn't always as important as the win. So I think it's it's just getting that people to go. You know what? Forget the ego. Forget the the the, the concerns that you have about your ability mm -hmm. or your you know you, you don't know all the rules. That's okay. So long as you're coming with the right intent, which is to have fun, yeah. to meet people, to roll dice, to have laughs, to to celebrate your wins, to mourn your losses. Um, and just grow as a person. Yeah. Then talking uh, generally on the competitive scene, like tournament scene in Japan, I have to say that three years ago, there was no competitive scene. There were no tournaments at all in Japan. Nothing. So Rising Sun, I started Rising Sun actually uh, motivated by a 40K tournament that happened four years ago, three, four years ago. And I got to see that. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, a bunch of people together enjoying the same thing, the hobby, and you know, then you go out in the night with all of them, like a bunch of new people. They are all super nice, 
And I realized I want I need to do something like that for Edge of Simmer. Because that was the game that I loved at the time. I was starting with Edge of Simmer and I didn't have people to play with so much. So it's like, why don't we organize this? And then we will attract more people into the community. So one of the reasons to organizing a competitive tournament is to gain a casual scene. To get more people and get so, to, so that the people can see that something is happening. You know, like it's not just buying online or buying in the store your miniatures and then just paying them and that's all. No, you get to get to, to play and to you 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 know. By the way, I, I I wanted to go back to this photo because okay. I, I do I do want to ask a question. So, for anyone who's seen a, a traditional Japanese movie or a you know you've seen the Karate Kid or you've seen some type of Japanese film of some description, you would know that they they have. Please correct me with the the appropriate language, but the the small table, the table that is very low to the ground, and you. Um, you don't sit at a table, so you don't sit on a seat. You're you're kneeling. You are you know uh, almost laying on the floor. Um, and in the picture that we we've, we've got here again, podcast people, uh, we we have a, a a table that is very low to the floor. Is this something that is common? Is this for show? Um, <laughs> tell me about this photo. It's not, it's, not, it's not really it's not really common. We had only one table or two tables the last tournament like this. Uh, as you said, the space is really limited. So even in the community center, when we went to rent the rooms, sometimes there is not enough like Western style space. So we have to rent also Japanese style rooms to play. And some people don't really like to play uh, low, like foreigners mainly, but it's actually more comfortable than it seems. Because they're resting on their knees, I can see there's no yeah. shoes. This is very classic Japanese to me. You've got this is a really, uh, really classic Japanese. You've, game. you've <laughs> got you've got the the doors that are um, I don't so know what the doors, material is. Yeah. Very very paper, paper. almost like very yeah, paper, thin yeah. doors. Um, the you know you're you're kneeling and no shoes on with uh, you know a bit of a cushion maybe on the floor and a very very low table. Um, that's very Japanese to me. This is almost as Japanese as I can think about, other than having like maybe some schoolgirls yeah, and a vending machine in the background. In Rising Sound, probably in north of Tokyo. Okay, so this is not common. This is this is more this, of a yeah. novelty. This is a uh, yeah. this is not something that's normal. I mean, kind of rooms every once in a while. Like when yeah. you get the, as Jampy said, you can't find a room. You'll like run into one of these. I've been into a couple of these. You know. Yeah. But. Okay. I, this is, I guess I, I wanted to know, was this normal? Uh, is, sorry, is this common or is this like a novelty? And I'm it's hearing common that, that, the, that the community centers usually have a Japanese room. That is common. Yeah, I so love it. A Japanese room in almost every community center. It's not common that when we organize autonomy, we look for that room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go. Cool. We want also, people to be comfortable playing, yeah. The the Japanese style rooms tend to be bigger in size in general. That's um, true. So yeah. When you need a larger room, you know, sometimes she stands up with a Japanese room, you know. And and you would normally have tea here. You would normally maybe yeah. play play cards. So what, we or did, what we did last year was to give the prizes. Like the prize ceremony was in the Japanese room. Yeah, I love it. I was I really love cool, it. Yeah. This is very traditional to me. This is very Japanese. Yeah. Like when I think of Japanese, I this this is what I think. Yeah. I love it. I love. It. And who, who are the gentlemen on in the photo? By the way, do we do, I, do we know the names? Yeah, that's Andy on the left playing Nargo. Um, Carol on the right. Carol Sun. Yeah. Carol Sun on the right. Amazing, amazing. And you can see, you know, you're playing in very classroom orientated. Um, this for me, I yeah. love. I, you know, one one thing that I imagined. Uh, again, this is me, my perceptions as opposed to maybe what's real is that I would have imagined that Warhammer may bring in certain aesthetics, maybe some things, again, mm-hmm. from the culture 
uh, whether it's from history or whether it's from um, fantasy cultures. And I love that someone has gone in and brought in more of a samurai type um, aesthetic to this stone horn, for example. And I imagine that there are more examples of this through through people making Warhammer their own and a mixture of East and West. This photo here is actually from a guy from Hong Kong, Ranger, who really loves Japan, uh, Japanese culture and Japanese history. And his sculpture, he converted himself, the, the model, into a Japanese, into samurai style, or uh, it was like an oni, I think. The probably busted, correct me if I'm wrong. No, I, I don't know him, so. No, no, I mean by the model. Oh, um, it, I don't know. I if if it's a red skin, I can't I can't see it's only, but if that's definitely Japanese samurai armor, like it's... yeah, okay, yeah. So I was right. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, mean, I mentioned a gentleman by the name of Martin Orlando, and he has converted. Uh, I, I, I oh, think yeah. it's storm, he's Stormcast. He's very, yeah. very feudal type Japanese. Uh, I know he's a, a yeah. he loves loves that culture and. Um, yeah, I, I like seeing that kind of brought to the table as well, and you know, taking something and making it your own. I've, I've even yeah, seen, um, I've even seen like I think some some uh, Ossiak Bone Reapers turned in with a bit more of those, um, like those traditional like the the hats that you know the the farmers used to wear with like the rice field hats. Um, again, you probably know the <laughs> name. I'm just I'm I'm basing it off like Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Oh, like I know, maybe that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you've kind of seen people again adapt and 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 bring their culture and their ideas to to their army. Uh, and here's another photo of uh, is this from Rising Sun or is this yeah, from this is Rising North? Sun. The the first ones were from North of Tokyo, and this one is from Rising Sun. Yeah. And I can see there's a whole mixture of people. I think, in fact, the people in the yep. black shirts are from Not, so they're from the, the north of Tokyo group. I can see they've got a little, little games yep. club going on. But, yep. again, looks great. looks like a lot of, of good people. You've got guys and girls. You've got a yep. young and old. You've got east and west. You know, it looks like everyone's having a ball. And, and both communities, like in the north of, of Tokyo and, and, and here in Kobe Osaka, we get along very well with each other. We help each other with the, with the rules, with the, with the tournament packs with terrain, with maps, with anything. We just send to each other things. Like we're always communicating. It's, it's as, as I was said at the beginning, we're like a little family, even though we are separated geographically. Is there anything yeah, else you want to add? competition between the tournaments. Like I'm going to do the biggest tournament in Japan or, or something like that, not at all. You're all complimenting each other. Yeah. yeah. Any, yeah, I think overall, we got a lot of support from the community as a whole. Like, I think a lot of the local store, you know, shout out to the local stores that yes. are willing to help us, you know, Y and I, you know, you got the store. Yeah, you know, we get support from mostly, most, mostly all of the stores in Japan are supporting the yeah. tournaments. Which is awesome because, yeah. you know, independent retails have no, you know, no obligation to do that but the fact yeah. that they're willing to help us out to grow the better community i think shows a lot because independent retailers are business you know they don't they, again once again no obligation to do this but they definitely shout out to all those you know independent retailer stores that are helping this you know make the community better and bigger i think i know one of the burning questions i had for you all was around like what does it meta look like what does you know if i go to a japanese event or an asian event you know what are some of those top five armies and you know how does that differ to east versus west and as i cycle through these photos i'm seeing zench i'm seeing iron jaws i'm seeing seraphon i'm seeing corn i'm seeing stormcast i'm seeing zench 
I'm seeing Nurgle. I'm seeing uh, Flesh Eater Courts. I'm seeing Ithna Deepkin. I'm seeing uh, Ogre Moor Tribes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm seeing literally everything that I would see normally at a traditional Westerner event. So um, despite the difference between our countries, there is uh, a lot of commonalities and a lot of similarities, mm. um, which is really cool. It's really cool to see. And I think um, it just shows that despite the distances between us, uh, how many things are still the same. And I think I know a lot of people were very interested to learn what does the hobby side and what does the community look like and how does it differ to our events? I don't know what's exactly the difference to events in the West because I have not been to, to any in, in the West. But, yeah, from, all I can say is from what I have lived as a tournament organizer is just that people are really, really open and really nice. Um, there is no – it's a competition, but I cannot actually call it like a competition. But although no, people I, really want to win, we, we have a bunch of really good players. I think also it's worth mentioning that I think we have a lot of excellent average painters, as in that average guy yeah. that you're going to yeah. find paints true, your stuff. Yeah. And I think it's a very big difference where, I don't know, Coach, what do you think? Like in Australia, does an average guy like reluctantly paint, loves to paint? Has, like do you play with normal like all fully painted armies or what's the meta like there you know so uh i I've, I've been very fortunate to play in england i've played in america i've played it in obviously in australia and i run my own events in australia hmm. um so one thing that i know and and, I, and um a lot of the time when i play they're at conventions so it'll be like a big hall or a big hmm. you know space and there'll be lots of different games there'll be 40k bolt action star yeah. wars a whole bunch of different um game systems that are playing at the same time and one thing that i've noticed at least from age of sigma not being biased is that the level of hobby is superior in age of sigma versus other games um not to say that you know there isn't amazing painters in the bolt action community or the you know other communities but i find probably the average uh, it's probably a lot higher um and i don't know if that's because people spend more time on their armies uh and maybe 40k for example because the meta changes so frequently they're always mm -hmm. buying new models and they don't have the time to paint because you know uh the the the, the time that necrons are superior um is is like a little small window and they kind of jump on to i don't know Imp uh, imperial guard um that's the same here yeah so we do uh, have we do have rules we you know at most mm. at most tournaments quote unquote not a store event not an average game but you know we, we do have a minimum standard of at least your models painted and in some type of basing um but i'm as i look at these photos you know it looks like 99 percent of these armies would probably yeah. pass as you know like they're great they're great looking armies but that's actually now that you mentioned about the rule of painting that's one of the difference between our tournaments and the the west that the community here is so small and i am so into engaging people that i know there are a lot of new uh players just joining the the, the warhammer community one I, I i don't have that uh requirement of painted army so people can come without the painted army and play the tournament we don't get many people like i think most people as you said are have the the, the a painted army but we don't have that requirement not for now once the community grows enough we would probably uh put forward that and that, and that's what so our community we'll... and that's what our community looked like very early on you know to take yeah. you take you take you back to 2015 and 2016 
uh, we were a lot more flexible, you know, painted, yeah. painting quality probably was a lot lower. Um, yeah. There were a lot of people who still had their Warhammer Fantasy armies on square basis, so we would be okay with them to play with squares yeah, or use, yeah, was okay, use yeah. like blue tack on round. So, but as we've kind of grown in five years now, the standards have changed, and yeah. um, but it's, it just sounds like you, you guys are just a couple yeah. of years behind us. That yeah, I'm sure yeah, you're, you're, that exactly, yeah. you'll yeah, rapidly catch up. Yeah. Yeah. You'll rapidly I catch hope up. So, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> Yeah, I think overall, even in like just a regular game day, you know, like I showed you, I, mm. you know, I've sent videos, um, you, everyone's seen that video, like you just walk into regular game day and like most of these armies are fully painted, like fully based, fully painted, battle ready, a lot of them are parade ready, um, you know, so I think very much we have a very strong hobby community also, and not just a gaming community where you know we you know there's no obligation to paint but they will paint them because it's a part of the hobby and people enjoy that and i think it's a very special thing i i'm always consistently amazed at the amount of fully painted armies on the table every time i go to a game jam it's, it's quite amazing it's quite awesome and to be honest you know i think it's amazing i'm recording the difference of quality between hsmr and 40k we're experiencing actually the same thing so last two months ago we organized the so rising sun organized together with Tokyo Tactical. That was actually led by Tokyo Tactical, which is the main tournament organizer of 40K in Japan. Uh, we organized a online painting competition with, with when all these like COVID-19 things started and people stopped going to stores. And so we thought it would be cool to organize something online that people, to keep people engaged in, in the community. And most of the top three, top five to six in each of the categories, they were HSMA models. There were people painting HSMA more than 40K. Yeah, and, and you are seeing a lot more people bringing models over from, from Sigma into 40K as well. That's yeah. um, a, a bit of a trend that's coming up. But again, like there's a lot of rules, and I think you mentioned, you know, your people are probably, you know, probably buying an army a year. And um, yeah. I, I would say Sigma players in general hold on to their armies a little longer because the meta doesn't evolve as rapidly hmm. um, across the world in, in Sigma compared to, to 40K. I think 40K is almost... I wouldn't say at the point of Magic the Gathering where every three months there's a, well, maybe yeah, it is yeah, actually. Yeah. It, you know, magic is rapid, rapid. That's why it's so expensive because the meta just changes and cards come out so quickly. Um, but Sigma isn't probably as rapid as Magic and um, as 40K. Yeah, yeah. So we, we got, we've got the luxury there. Yeah. A couple of other burning questions I've got for you both and we'll <laughs> kind of bring this home. Um You've mentioned the challenges in Asia. You've talked about, you know, some of the the, um, the things that you're doing to encourage more people to the community. How do you encourage more local players? And I say local because I'm talking Singapore, I'm talking Japan, I'm talking, you know, anyone mm -hmm. in the Asian community. How would you encourage or, you know, bring more people into the hobby, uh, whether it's for painting, whether it's playing, whether it's then going from playing to come to a tournament, What's some advice that you would give me or a, a player or uh, an aspiring tournament organizer to grow that community? Oh, okay. <laughs> Asking the tough questions. Yeah, that's a tough question. Do you mean like how can I encourage people from abroad to come to Japan or like in general to grow the community? Let's talk your place first. I, I can I can tell I can sell people to come to Japan. Like as soon as the, the borders okay. open. Like Japan's even paying for people's hotels and flights at the moment. Like, not to sell them that. Just come by for a delicious thick bowl of ramen uh, and uh, make it, yeah. go to go to the, the the cafes, the girlfriend cafes, and like yeah. done. There's, there's your there's your sales pitch. Um, 
sell it to me as a non-Warhammer player um, who may walk past the games workshop or maybe thinking about coming to an event? Like what's what are some ways that we can encourage more of the local community to to get involved? Well, we, we are really, really nice community of people, like super friendly. It's basically a, a way, for me, it's the best way to make friends, like friends, friends. You are because you are gonna get to meet these people really like more often than you are just going to you know. It's not. It's, it's something that you can do uh, also with your family if you have children, for example. You can get your kids into it. That's a, usually uh, most of the players are. We're not kids anymore. Like I don't know, mom. Many teenagers play anymore. Like so, it's a good way to get your family into it. Your friends. Uh, to get new people to get that's something i talked with last the other day to get outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. like you always do the same or i think it's a really nice hobby to you to have it has also in japan the artistic side of people is really developed like most people really know how to draw something really know how to paint something this is a nice thing different thing of anything that you will find in japan like it's not gunpla it's not like the uh militarist historic figures or anything like that it's something completely I mean, Age of Simmer is high fantasy. It's you. You're not gonna find anything like that anywhere else. Mm. And people actually, people who don't play Warhammer and get into the stores, they get like, you know, surprised and like nicely surprised about what they find inside. So my main advice is start it with the painting, and then they will find a super friendly community. Mister, anything from yourself? Yeah, um, I think if. You know, the one thing you can see about Warhammer, AOS, even 40K is, you know, there's a pace for everybody. And there's, you know, you don't yes. need to go in anyone else's pace. Paint at your own pace. Play at your own pace. Find your niche. Find your people. And you're not going to find a community that is going to be this friendly, this intelligent, this nice. And I think it's yeah. very good balance because the small community is small enough where you're not going to see, like, that random guy. You know, the card, card gaming community is so big. You're not going to find the guy you played against um, for another year or two, or like, you're not even going to remember his face next time you find him versus Warhammer's not that way. You know, you find your dude. That's like, you get to see every month, you get to play him, you know, his army, you know, what went into his army. And then it's a very kind of a communal experience where you get to play that. But also at the same time, it's a hobby. You know, some people are good at painting. Some people are bad at painting. It doesn't matter, though. Like, no one's going to dish your army because your army sucks. It doesn't really matter. Same as gaming play, you know, all the aspects of what constitutes this hobby is you can go to your own place and find your own people and do your own thing. But I think the one thing that you got to know is, you know, you can take this hobby and go anywhere in the world. Like, I can go to Australia tomorrow and find people who are Age of Sigmar players. I can probably go into Sydney and say, hey, I want to catch a play a game. I'll post that on Twitter. Guaranteed I'll probably find someone in Sydney that's willing to play somebody. Mm. And that's not something you can do anywhere else. It's not a hobby. I can't take my motorcycle and say, hey, I want to ride my motorcycle in Sydney. You know, that's not something I can do, you know. It's like snowboarding. I want to go snowboarding. But it's like it's summer in Australia, you know, <laughs> even if it's winter in Japan. So you know, you know, that's a really good point. Like I remember when I was going to America or even in England, like I just put out a tweet, I'm like, Hey, I'm kind of England. Who wants to play? And like, boom, I've got 10 responses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is before I had a YouTube channel because people are just like, yep, yeah, cool. We have a shared experience. That is Warhammer. Um, and there's a lot of people who are suffering loneliness right now. And, you know, yes. uh, you know, removed from social distance and 
I, I know, um, you know, part of the reason why there's the girlfriend cafe is because there's a lot of loneliness, because there's a lot of introverted type people. Mm. So this is a way to connect with people outside of your traditional yes. circles. And you can be maybe be a bit more open and honest with those people because you are, uh, they don't know you very well. So you can be a bit more open about mm. your challenges and, um, no, no, no doubt they have a similar experience or may know someone who's gone through the same route. So I think for me, when I think about my, um, the people that I speak to the most right now, it, they're, they're a lot of my Warhammer players. Uh, they're people I've either met at events, are people that, uh, you know, like people like right, you guys right now, I'm literally talking yeah. to you in a completely different country. Um, and, you know, Twitter and Discord and Facebook. Yeah, same, and yeah. Instagram um they the the community is very awesome so it's great to hear that uh, again the thing that i enjoy the most which is the community um uh, is is just as powerful on your side of the world yes growing yes we're working small, but growing. growing still small and growing but yeah so good direction. <laughs> yes come, come join all right sales pitch <laughs> last question before i kind of bring this home sales pitch why should someone come and uh when the when the borders are open why should someone come to a Japanese event? Like, why should they put that on their their bucket list um, for the future? I think you, you just playing with Japanese player is uh, something that you will find different from from playing in, in the US or or the UK. Finding the amazing table on the Japanese room, so you will not find that anywhere else. And you have to come here to to play in that. And then, of I, course, I, like I, 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 I want to play. I want to play on yeah. that. <laughs> if you put that together to a trip to Japan, what's better? Right, I'm going to bring that photo up one more time. Like I love this. <laughs> I, love, I love this photo. <laughs> I, I, I just want like someone to someone to bring in some sake, someone to bring in um, some <laughs> green tea for me. Uh, like, like give me a vending machine that I can I can buy some stuff. Maybe some karaoke yeah, as my well. Around, yeah. That's great. <laughs> so it's a great experience yeah. in that sense. Like you also see to meet, you get to meet the uh, uh, really young community, right? Not young in, in age of, of the people, but in, in that we are basically starting into the competitive scene. So you can also help us to to make people understand, to other people understand in, the, in our community that it's not that difficult to play a tournament. It's not that, uh, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not a bad thing at all. No, I love it. Yeah. The state, tell me. Well, I see, I think Japanese Warhammer is very exotic in a sense where yeah. you know what you're used to in Australia, Germany, you know, England, US, you know, you, you got your thing, we get it. And then you bring that over to the total other side of the dang world across the Pacific, way up north, different hemisphere, and then you get to do your thing with someone who you've never met before in the other side of the world. <laughs> and if that doesn't sound awesome, I don't know what you're up to. <laughs> and also the challenge of playing with people don't don't not speak in your language. Right. But that's an awesome experience. It's yeah, like you it's don't an awesome know experience. the guy's yeah. language, but you somehow communicate because it makes yes. sense somehow. You know, that is a good, really nice experience. Commit trying to communicate with other people in a different language. So probably people who are coming from abroad and they are gonna, if they come to play to to our tournaments, they probably will check some Japanese words, some like keywords for like how to charge or how to reroll, how to you know like how to shoot, whatever. I think that's that's cool. That you're gonna gain a, a different baggage there, a different background, 
or how to play a game in a different country. But, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not because I haven't played there, but I guess or I, I expect that playing in the US is probably very similar to playing in the UK, but it's not the same to playing in Japan. Yeah, I, I, I haven't had the pleasure just yet to play somebody in another, like another language. Like I haven't played mm. anyone who's, you know, a, a native Italian speaker or a German speaker. Uh, you could probably argue that people who's from Australia probably don't speak English. We, we have some, <laughs> weird, some weird dialect. But, uh, you know, like having having the pleasure of going to France, going to, to, yeah. to Japan, going to China, going to uh, – I've been to like Laos, like a little little, little oh, old Laos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like going to that country and having the mm -hmm. opportunity to try to ask for something, something simple as yes. where yeah. is the toilet? Yes, no, I want yeah. this. Um, then I'll add the complexities of Warhammer. That sounds yeah. like an awesome <laughs> challenge um, that yes. I would love. Uh, it sounds really cool. Um, totally recommend it to anyone. So, guys, yeah, it, come yes. to Japan to play our tournaments. <laughs> yeah. Ramen, Kit Kat, vending machines, girlfriend cafes, yeah. uh, cafes with cats and owls and dogs that you can hang out with, um, yeah. like Harajuku, uh, Aksaki. Um, we supply the weird of the world. The weird is there. <laughs> <laughs> you gain a tolerance, but it's there. <laughs> Yep, and come come down over Christmas where um, you can celebrate with KFC, which is the yeah. one of the yeah. big one of the big traditions <laughs> that are uh, no word of a lie team uh, in Japan. Uh, KFC is like the Christmas tradition, so uh, that, that's true, right? Turkey, I'm going to go with the fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> This has been awesome. This has been a really good chat. Is there anything else you'd want to add to this discussion around, you know, Warhammer in in Asia, Warhammer in Japan? Uh, we kind of before we bring this home. I think we touch everything. Basically, I, I want to thank all the people who like help us in in Japan to to grow our community. Like people from Games versus Japan, people from north of Tokyo, people from the Tokyo Tactical Community because they also help us a lot. Uh, People from Rising Sun, people from the stores, managers of the Games Workshop stores. Yeah, everyone in the community just, they are helping a lot to, it's not just me, it's not just Bastet at all. We are just two guys within a huge, well, a bigger community. And they all have their, their own role of making this uh, like a better place for, for us. By the way, I'm reminded the arcades that that was that was amazing going to the different arcades like that. I've never seen an arcade. <laughs> those those buildings that are like literally office buildings, like ten levels, and it's just arcade machines literally everywhere. Um, my mind was blown. Um, there's no you don't need any reason. Just go to Japan and um, <laughs> yes, you have a, just just the the one lesson that I learned was um, learn the railway map because there's like three different companies. So you know oh, you yeah. sometimes so you might buy a ticket. Yeah, uh, way more than three companies. Yes, <laughs> that was my yeah. biggest challenge when I again like ten years ago, like finding my way on the trains. Yeah, once you learn it, it's very simple. You, no, yeah, you get finally when you get used to it, you get, it's everything translated into English. So you get the Japanese and the English, so no problem on that. But yeah, that they are different companies, and you have to buy a ticket for this, and then change to a different train that is run by a different company, and then you have to get a different ticket. Or yeah, that was complex. Nah, that's awesome. And as Garrett said in the chat as well, um, there's a lot of bilingual players that will help you. And uh, yes, yes, 
and that's great. And um, as long as you treat people with respect and you try, like that was the, yeah. the big lesson that I learned going to France, right? Like people are like, oh, French people are so rude. Like I never experienced that because I attempted to use them at their language as butchered as my my French was uh, <laughs> by by being respectful to someone's culture. It just gets you, it just takes you a yeah. long way. So um, yeah. whether it's Japan, whether it's any country, um, everyone's pretty pretty helpful. Um, yeah. any, any, any shout outs you want to make before we kind of bring this home? Well, if you're ever thinking of traveling to Japan, want to pick up a game of Warhammer, let the Twitter community know. I'm sure you'll find a game. I'm not surprised if you yeah. get, don't, I'd be surprised if you don't get a response, you know, and that'll serve as your, you know, in, you know, there's like, there's somebody, you know, in Japan that'll play games with you, help you out. And I think it's a great way to like, be a part of the community too, you know, like come and visit. You're not alone. You know, you got people here. We're willing to help. You know, you're in the Kansai area. Let us know. You know, we'll find a game. Yeah, feel free to DM us. Yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, I've got Champy's uh, Twitter handle in the description. Bastide, I'm going to put yours in there as well. Uh, I forgot. Um, and as well in the description, just a final reminder that there is a whole bunch of Instagrams, YouTubes, blogs, Twitters, uh, of of um, Japanese and Asian style Warhammer uh, painters or players that we recommend you go check out as well. Do they do deserve a follow? Um, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, thank you both for your time. I really enjoyed yep. the discussion. I learned a lot. Um, give them a follow. Let me know what your thoughts are. If you've been to Japan, you know, and or you, you want to go to Japan, let me know. Uh, I'm very excited. I actually would like to go now. Now, now thank I'm getting really much. annoyed that I'm not allowed to travel. <laughs> yeah <laughs> hopefully very really soon hopefully very really soon oh. we'll travel again fingers crossed yeah let us thanks, know guys. thank you very much it's been <laughs> thank a great you very honor. much for the invitation coach thank you nah, thanks guys g'day i hope you enjoyed that video and you're left with some new ideas one of the biggest ways you can contribute to aos coach is by liking the video you just watched and leaving a comment in the comment section this lets youtube know this is a good video and it should recommend it to other hobbyists if you'd also like to support the channel even further like these bloody legends, go check out AOS Coach on Patreon. Otherwise, don't forget your triumph.